Well, good morning. Welcome to our morning worship. Great sense of expectancy and anticipation. Uh, we will have our verse, which has been our verse for the month, and uh, reminds us of God's goodness, His covenant of promise, and His presence with us. So may we read it together. I will proclaim the name of the Lord, or praise the greatness of our God. He is the Lord. His works are perfect, and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is He. Indeed He is. Well, good morning, and we have a great lesson reading this morning. It's Scottish season, it's chapter 6, it's verses 10 to 20, and it's page 1177 in the first Bible. As we're turning to that, I just set the scene. This is Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It was to the churches then, and it's just as relevant to us as a church today. And in it, Paul speaks of our salvation, of the of Christ's church, and it also describes relationships. And in this sixth chapter, Paul speaks to us about the armour of God and the spiritual world in which we live. And at verse 10 he starts with, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In the ESV it reads, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And that's such a powerful message, I can just say. When things are great, be strong in the Lord and in his strength of his might. And when things a tight and tough. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And then Paul goes on to speak to us personally. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And Paul goes on to say, Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me 
that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, fearlessly as I should. And Paul is almost just saying, pray that we may declare it as fearlessly as we should. Bring here God's word, the Lord's word. Thanks be to God. Well, it's a great rallying call, isn't it? And it fits in with the theme that we are pursuing today. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, as is found in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13. So we're coming to the conclusion of this series on the Lord's Prayer, I guess, for most people, even people who tend not to go to church, will know something about the Lord's Prayer. We began quite a while ago by thinking about uh, what a privilege it is that we can call God our Father. And the book that was highlighted by a Muslim who came to faith in Christ, convert from Islam, I dare to call him Father. What a humbling thing it is actually to say that. It's a great privilege. With that privilege comes a very timely provision. Though we live in a place of enormous provision in these worldly goods, nevertheless, it's a humbling thing to acknowledge God's goodness in all things, providing daily bread. And then, last Sunday, we were thinking about the challenge of forgiveness, what it is to be conscious that we are pardoned by the grace of God. And now, finally, this morning, we are thinking about what it is to live out our Christian life with the protection of God. The protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is tricky. Uh, some uh, linguists here will know that um, the word temptation and testing can be interchanged. And often it's the context that determines the issue about testing and tempting. About 30 years ago, visiting a home in Covington, I met a retired pastor, a pastor from the Elim Pentecostal Church, and he had spent at least 30 years in Ghana. And uh, he as a Cuddington boy, passed his lentil and went to the grammar school. Lord William's school then was a grammar school. And uh, he related to me his experience of going to that school as a young boy. And he um, said that the assembly began always with a Christian hymn. The headmaster would lead and they would conclude with the Lord's Prayer. He had done that for two years until he made a great discovery that he was horrified about. And it was this. That for two years he had been praying when he came to the Lord's Prayer instead of lead me not into temptation he prayed lead me not into temptation. 
if you Google Lord Beach's cat, do it as I did, you'll see a beautiful picture of Jane Station. Now, of course, it's gone. But we troubled him. Jane must be a terrible place. He should have realized John Wesley, Wesley called it Cain by name and Cain by nature. But you could see, even with that two-year-old child, reciting or singing the Lord's Prayer, quite easy to do. But to actually embrace it and understand it and to be delivered from misunderstandings is a big challenge. And therefore the freshness of looking at this prayer yet again um, is helpful for us. I suppose it does take courage for people to admit how they prayed the prayer like that. Okay. Immediately now we are faced with a potential misunderstanding. How do we handle these two things? Testing, tempting, as it is given by the Lord. And as you said in the original language, these words are the same. So let's try to put it like this then. God will test us. Anything of any value in life is worthy of test, whether that's exams or that's the road test or all these things. That is an integral part of life. An untested life is a very unfruitful life. God will test us to strengthen, to prove, to fortify and test our loyalty. And we can look back and see that is for our good. The devil will tempt us to do the opposite of those things with which God tests us, to weaken, to discredit, and to question our loyalty. So let's be clear about this then. God is not the destructive tempter. That's not what he does. He's the positive tester, bringing out good, proving the authenticity of our faith and love. Turn to, and there is a reference there, or if you, if you, if you don't turn to, let me read it to you. As this became an issue in the early church, James, the apostle, writes and he says this, Blessed is the man, blessed is the believer, he or she, who perseveres under trial. Now the trials, of course, come in different ways in, in, at different times. But nevertheless, happy, blessed is the person who perseveres under trial. Why? Because when he or she has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, not if tempted, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by either, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he or she, by his own desires, is dragged away and enticed, and so forth. I was talking to somebody recently playing tennis with him and we were talking about church and the subject original sin came up. And I said to him, do you know what? There's nothing original about it. Pretty predictable really. Must be original sin. But there are things within us that have plagued the lives of people from the very beginning. 
Right. I want to, uh, I want you to think about this. And, um, I want you to look at a hymn that is going to come up, and I want to introduce it to you. We can sing a hymn now. Uh, Gary, you, if you poised, ready? Um, yeah? This is a very old hymn. Uh, you, you'll know the author. He's the author of Amazing Grace. The lesser known hymn, John Newton. And this is, and I hope this makes sense, do stay with me. This is what's called a soliloquy. Now, I know you're not going to stay with me. What is a soliloquy? Well, I looked it up. A soliloquy is this. Speaking one's thoughts aloud to oneself, whether it's a speech, a poem, a hymn, or a prayer. It's a soliloquy. Here is the soliloquy, okay? Uh, bear in mind that uh, this is, was written in the mid-18th um, uh, century. John Newton born in 1725. This is what he does. And it's a day. He says this, I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love of every grace, might more of his salvation know, and seek more earnestly his faith. The last sentence, seek more earnestly, sort out my prayer. I'm not doing very well. I doubt if there's any Christian that hasn't or shouldn't pray that prayer. Let's look at verse 2. Right, to a who taught me thus to pray, and he I trust has answered prayer, but it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. Right. The rest, so this is the soliloquy. He's talking out loud and saying, there I am, but my Christian life sometimes isn't what it ought to be. My prayer life, pretty poor, and so on. So I try to get my act together spiritually, and I'm driven to despair. That is the authentic experience of Christian people. Right. Then, from verses 3, 4, we leave out 5, for the 6 to long in, 6 and 7, and the climax comes like this. The Lord replied, verse 7, these inward trials, you can fill in the gap there, but a true to you and to me, these inward trials I employ from sin, from self and pride to set you free and break the schemes of earthly joy if you may seek you all in the, the climax to the soliloquy. So, let's stand and sing it and concentrate, focus on these words and see how they fit in with the Lord's prayer. Thank you, Gary. If we did Desert Island Discs and they could choose hymns, seven hymns or songs, I would choose that one and use it on the Desert Island as a soliloquy. It may say something about me, but... Um, but there it is. That's the point, isn't it? You, you want to take seriously your faith. You want to grow. You want your prayer life to be meaningful. And as soon as you do it, the struggle is even more intense. That is authentic Christian living. And the whole point, therefore, of this prayer, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God is sovereign. And part of his sovereign will, which often is a mystery, indeed a trial to us, is that he may permit trials, and he may allow temptation into our lives. The book of Job is replete with that. And God doesn't answer Job's question. In the book of Job, he questions Job's answers and his miserable friends. The life of Joseph, trying to keep a straight line, 
and he has trouble upon trouble. His brothers betray him and he ends up in prison because of his faithfulness. Life can be quite challenging and difficult. The example of Jesus following his baptism. Again, the whole idea of temptation is real. So the rest of the sermon, very briefly, is application. In other words, what does it mean? How does it apply? Satan tempts to produce evil and to destroy. God tempts to bring blessing. And he provides a way out of escape. Would you just, one uh, reference, we may flip to others, but this is a real help to Christians, first to, to, to young Christians in, in particular. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Familiar to some, but perhaps not to others. Says 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God tests us to bring good and blessing not only to us, but to us. So, from the reading in Ephesians 6, verse 12 says, If you think you are standing, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. doesn't say there he will not let us be tempted. But he will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. But when we are tempted, not if, he will provide a way out so that we can stand up under it. And through that, there is something of the grace of God in our lives that is unique because of the trials that we have faced and we have endured. So come along with me very briefly uh, on this path of temptation, the things that the devil employs. First of all, he presents. My brother is a skilled angler and when I visited him recently, he was down the bottom of the garden in his little shed making the most attractive fly. He's a fly fisherman. And in the, as he makes this attractive fly with great skill, with all the feathers that he needs, inside are these dangerous hooks. And the idea is that the fly is to look very tempting to the fish. And when the fish takes it, it's hooked. Or the old saying, come into the parlour, said the spider to the fly. Same old thing. So the idea of to present something like that is by its nature very attractive. A bait to attract, but with a hidden thing in the tail, with a hook ready to trap you. There are situations often that we best avoid. Bad choices. Compromising relationships. The whole point of church is that we are a community of people, God's people, not exclusively. The second thing that the devil does, that he employs is this, when you think about temptation, is that he persuades. He's very persuasive. He could persuade you that black is white, good is, uh, uh, good is bad, and so on, or bad is good. Devil is like that. He can talk you into doing things. He can persuade you to say, well, you know, everybody's doing it. What's the problem? And he can tease you. And then he can condemn you for doing the things that he has tempted you into. He's a good debater. 
he knows his material, he's well informed, and he knows our weakness. And sometimes if he can't get us at our weakest point, he will take our strength and turn it into something that becomes harsh and unhelpful. He is very persuasive. And he will say to you from time to time, well of course, yeah, I know this isn't quite right, and, but you know, you're a special case. God will understand. He's very persuasive. Or you say, you know, it's only natural. And, and what harm is there? And by the way, who is going to know? He is very persuasive. And in addition to that, he pressurizes. We parents know all about peer pressure in all sorts of ways. But adults, parents, grandparents need also to know about peer pressure. This is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual battle and it's constant and there is no letting up. He is unrelenting. Sowing doubt, fear, discontent. And he particularly attacks relationships. The very interesting article in the paper yesterday about people who are so enriched because they have true and meaningful relationships. There was no mention of the church, but it could have been. Do we have relationships that are mutually a blessing? Well, the devil wants to drive a wedge between relationships in parents and grandchildren and church and schism and division. He is good at that. He has a lot of experience in doing it. He pressurizes. He is unrelenting. And he attacks relationships, marriages, family, community, churches. Those are three areas, those much more clearly, but they encompass a great deal. Now then, think about these three for a moment and let's revisit them. The first he presents, you see what you see, it's the seeing, the great deal in the Bible about seeing, the eyes. And he persuades the mind, the battleground oftentimes, we were singing the battle belongs to to, to the Lord, but the battleground often is in our mind, in our thinking. As a man thinks in his heart, so he or she is in their life. So you see, we build up a picture now, the way that I'm seeing, the way that I'm thinking. And look at the pressure, my will. Is my will strong enough to resist in terms of my living? How do I live this out? I'm not going to live into a closed community where I don't see people, don't hear bad language, hear about these difficulties, rubbing shoulders with people at work and so on, and start coping with things that come into our home with our children, of course. But you see, you put these together, it gives us an idea now why Jesus says, lead us not into temptation. Uh, this is a great little book, um, I'm talking about books and might have a book sale sometimes, and when we move, it's probably in six. <laughs> this is um, 
C.S. Lewis, and uh, as you know, it's created later, this was um, a series of this recently on Radio, uh, radio 4. And um, it's letters from a senior to a junior devil, created to Wormwood. And in the course of it, C.S. Lewis says this, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall when thinking about devils in the plural. One is to believe, sorry, one is to disbelieve their existence. That's it. Thing of the past. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy preoccupation and interest in them. That's the other. The one doesn't exist. The other, we see the devil everywhere, and it almost becomes obsessive. Now you see the point. What we find in scripture, however, is this, neither an excessive and unhelpful, unhealthy interest in, or a total avoidance of. So the Lord brings us back, and it's, a, it's an interesting um, book that is, and you, if you were to buy it now, it won't be three and six, it would probably be about six pounds or something, or more. Even. Um, here, I, I haven't uh, actually read this, and that's a terrible thing, that's not a book review, but I did click into it in the preparing this term. It's a very good book. Uh, when we were at the conference recently, uh, there was a copy on every chair. Uh, and it's our father enjoying God in prayer by Richard Coffey. The thing is, I've listened to it, not very addicted into it, it's very readable. And it is really helpful to have books that are, are readable and it's based on the Lord's Prayer. I recommend that and if you see Charles. So there you are, those are the three areas. My seeing, my thinking, my living. Let me conclude. The Christian is on a different path. The path, if you like, not of temptation, but of testing, of deliverance. Deliver us from evil. And that is what is employed by Jesus. Now let's just personalize it as we try to close, and it's this. What is this path? And how can it be a challenge to those three previous areas of our lives? Well, the first is this, by, by the prayer of Christ with us. When we think about the Lord Jesus, he is with us when he prays. So it's like as if he journeys with us. We might be a bit uncomfortable about that, or we might be encouraged. Depends what we're doing. Uncomfortable because I don't think he would approve. Maybe I'd have to part company with Jesus. Some people think if they have a night out, they leave Jesus in the car and go and then come back and all is well. It doesn't work like that. The prayer of Christ with us. He is our Emmanuel. He's with us. The example, and uh, if maybe we just look at this very quickly in Luke chapter 22. I think it's come up yet. There it is. Here's the classic, and this is so helpful as it is from the life of Peter, the Apostle Peter. Here he is. And he, there, is, there is this phrase that uh, he is following Jesus at a distance. You'll see that in verse 54. 
You know, distance learning is very popular, but distance discipleship doesn't work. He's with you. Do not follow Jesus at a distance. And if you read this account, you see how Peter got into trouble with pressure, with just reflecting public opinion, which is so easy to do. But in verse 31, Jesus says this to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as sweet. Stop there a minute. What does that mean? Well, you know, normally the sifting is get rid of the chaff and keep the wheat. Satan's doing the opposite. A life full of rubbish. Get rid of it. No! Keep it! Do you see this? So, yes, Jesus prayed and he said, Satan has asked to have you to sift you as sweet. But I have prayed for you. This is the point. By the prayer of Christ with us. I have prayed for you that your faith may not fall. And when you have turned back, there is a place for Christian people turning around and coming back again and again. When you have turned back, strengthen your brother. When did you? I, I'm not saying it to shame you, but if you do feel the same, well, you sort it out. When did you last actually get alongside a fellow Christian somewhere and say, look, let's pray about it. Can we just talk this through? Isn't it much easier to criticize them, say they're shallow or superficial or what have you? But when you've turned again, strengthen your brother, help your brother, carry the burden, share the concern. This is the path that we travel. Now we all know the tendency that we have to doubt. That's, that's with us all the time. Either to doubt ourselves, am I really a believer? Can I, can I think like this and can I do that and say I'm a true believer? tendency to doubt or the temptation to despair that's what we saying when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin that's what we're saying that's been the theme of every song this morning where was God when my child died a mother asked an evangelical pastor and his thoughtful reply was where he was when his son died. The prayers of Christ with us, it can be a hard journey. And we set about with trials and temptations, and it's no good just putting on a veneer. It doesn't Cut the mustard. Doesn't do the job. Be real. The prayer of Christ with us. Ask yourself, where is God? When? And do. And secondly, very quickly, by the death of Christ for us. In my place condemned he stood. He sees my pardon with his blood. He is my saviour. God so loves the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Look to Jesus Christ, think of that cross, trust in him again, and ask him to forgive you. The Christian is on a different path, a different destiny, different company, different power. Deliver us from evil. And lastly, 
by the Holy Spirit of Christ in us. So we have the prayer of Christ with us. He's our Emmanuel. He's with us. He died for us in our place. And the Holy Spirit indwells us. And with that, with all of our besetting difficulties and temperaments and circumstances and health and all of that, in Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus concluded in this way, from, and he often did this, didn't he, from the lesser to the greater, talks about God providing good things. And then he says, How much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That is the final application of the Lord's Prayer. By the Holy Spirit of Christ within us. Lead us not into temptation. Sometimes, you know, you might think, well, this is a good, good sermon for young people with all of their passions and all. Sometimes, partly I've seen older people beset with greater temptation in old age. Sometimes family. What do you do with a parent whose mind is outside? You say, where is God in that? Or people, you go to a care home. And some mothers having to visit from their sons or daughters for a whole year. What, what's that about? And this is our world. <coughs> and we can be tempted to become very cynical. There's a lot of it about. <coughs> His promise to deliver us from evil. His is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And that means today. For sure. So we're going to sing our final hymn together, and um, I think this is, I think it changes, yes, we rest in thee, our shield and our defender. We go not forth alone against the force, strong in thy strength, safe in thy keeping tender, we rest in thee, in thy name we go. Let's stand and sing this together. Remain standing as we pray together. Lord, we thank you for your great generosity in providing for us full salvation, unconditional love. So as we live out our lives in the circumstances in which we find ourselves, give us that ability to keep in step with your Holy Spirit. That we go out into this world to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly before you and one another. Bless our homes, we pray, with all the challenges, the joys, and the difficulties, the hopes and fear. Those who are away from us on holiday, those traveling and visiting other countries, that we keep your good hand upon them. And in this troubled world, 
give us the confidence that you journey with us. So would you hear our prayers as we come before you in the confidence that you will hear and answer. And now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages. Now and forevermore. Amen. May we share in the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.